You're listening to SENZ, and it is still Louie and Kempe. On Izzy and Kempe for one more morning. I hope, I think, but then I'm not going to put any more time frames on it. But our man Izzy Dag should be back at some stage, hopefully tomorrow on SCNZ. Uh, we've got a big show, Kempe, for one last day, I think, of you and I, including, well, we've got sailing, we've got rugby, we've got lots, I've got netball, we've got bits and bobs of everything. And I, uh, I hope Izzy will be... Well, he'll be fast asleep now, hopefully, although just trying to get himself back to those time zones, you know what it's like. It could be pretty disorientating, so hopefully he's doing okay. Yeah, mate, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to today, actually, because the sale GP's just around the corner. Blair Tukey uh, will be joining us earlier th- uh, this morning, later this morning, just to talk about, uh, I think they leave tonight, Louis, to head up there with this turnaround. They get to uh, race in a, in a the best of five uh, to get to the top three to run run. Um, the cutter for that final up against uh, Australia that are obviously hot favourites and uh, whether or not it be France or GB uh, that joins them in that racing. So um, I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to it because Sale GP has been off the radar for the last month while the boys have been down here running the America's Cup, uh, what do you call that, practice sessions. And uh, interesting about that Sale GP is that they head up to San Francisco and they, they still only get the one practice on the Friday uh, morning before the racing, which I find, uh, that part of it I really find interest, interesting that they don't actually get to go out there and practice and um, see how the boats are going. You know, like you got to got to remember, like they, they travel the boats up there. Hopefully, it hasn't been damaged in tra- uh, transit, and then get it out there. They have one little session in the afternoon, and then all of a sudden she's all on. Uh, three races on the Saturday, I think it is, and two on the Sunday before they they pick they they finish with the top three to race in the final in San Fran. So um, it'll be interesting chatting just to see how well they're travelling. Uh, I know that the boats are pretty well much the same and even, but um, yeah, good good chat, good chat coming up with Blair too uh, this morning, and of course the Pulse, you know, Yvette uh, Claus and Jury. I'm I'm really looking forward to that chat because there's a lot of, lot happening in netball at the moment. You know, you got Dame Knowles looking at stepping down. Uh, you've had Yvonne Willering come out and say, "No, don't step down. Stay in the in the that spot." I actually agree with Yvonne. I actually think that Dame Knowles is is well young young enough to stay there and go around for another mate, couple of World Cups if she wants to. But uh, I guess it's really, you know, have, I've done that. I've got that T-shirt type scenario for her, maybe. Um, but. You know, I just yeah, would like to see uh, what your vet, because she's been in that position too as an assistant coach with the with the uh, the netball girls, the New Zealand netball girls, to to see what she's thinking about that um, position that Dame Knowles is on. So a pretty good morning, mate. With uh, obviously a lot of other stuff that you've uh, organised for us yesterday to get on the show this morning. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good point, Kempi, around uh, Dame Nolan Total because I, and I think a lot of people would say that Yvette uh, McCall's and Jury is the favourite, but you've got uh, Kitty, Wills, and, and a few other people in there that have all been uh, spent time in the group, Marianne, Delaney, Hoshek. They've spent time around the Silver Ferns, and I do suspect that Dame Nolan probably won't step away unless she thinks that there is the rightful successor. It's almost a bit like succession. 
<laughs> in, in a way, but I think that there is a, kind of a bit of, well, she'll only pass the team over, hand it over if she thinks that the team and, and things are, the Ducks are in a row for that. So we can ask her, we can, we, um, we can ask her and see what her take on it is. And yeah, on the sailing keep, you're right. Blair Chuk is hopefully going to join us after seven o'clock. I have just had, um, it has been mentioned to me that they are out, Blair and Pete, supporting John O'Riddler. And by the way, this is the swim the golf. Our man, Jono, who is swimming the Hodaki Golf, he has been swimming since 10 a.m. yesterday. Kimpi, 10 a.m. yesterday Crazy. without sleeping, without stopping. I've just had an email drop into the um, inbox. At 20 to 6 this morning, he's gone past 60 kilometers. So he's swum through the night. He's fought gut grumbles, so he's got a bit of a sore tummy. Uh, he's got a team of people that have been making him his his meals in liquid form. I think every 40 minutes or so he stops for 30 seconds to drink this kind of food, drink his liquid food, uh, and then he starts swimming. He's got this red light on the back of his head, and he's been swimming throughout the, no- the night. And look, they have um, Mark Lennartz, who's his lead observer, saying that that was the hardest time throughout the night. Well, maybe barring the last 10 hours or so, yeah the last 10 hours or so, that would be the hardest part. So he's over halfway. They think that there's a chance he might land at Narrow Neck at about mm, at 4 p.m. Um, they'll, they'll get, and oh, you'll get an update around 4 p.m., including the, the ETA to Narrow Neck Beach. If you're in the Auckland area, I'd just keep a, a pay keep a, a lookout on the Live Ocean page, which is Blair and Pete's charity because they've um, got behind right behind Jono and, and made this a possibility as well. I'd just start following their Instagrams because I, I think I think we need to go and get down to Narrow Neck if you're in the Auckland area and support them. This is an incredible. This seriously, this is one of the most impressive. Even if Jono, to get this far, Kempe, through the training and to get in the water and swim through the night and get 60 kilometres non-stop, I think this is one of the most impressive things I've ever come across. It is unbelievable. All for a cause. He loves the Hodaki Golf. It means a lot to him. He cares about our environment and he's actually doing something about it. I'm just so blown away by Jono. Yeah, the effort, the effort, like, I just sort of can't fathom that you'd you'd want to be out there for two days swimming um, for those lengths of time. And just how hard that must be too, uh, mentally, to try and keep yourself focused and, and your arms turning over and your body, I guess, in the condition that it needs to be so it doesn't cramp up while you're out there in the water and at night time swimming through the, the middle of the ocean. Um, yeah, like there's just so so much to try and take in here. Um, but you're dead right, you know, like for a good cause and and I guess uh, your his own personal challenge that he's he's taken on yeah, he does need a bit of support. If you are around there and get down there and and uh, go and say, you know, congratulations and well done because he's a mate. Pe- there'll be so many people in New Zealand that actually don't realise that this is going on. Um, that a guy's put himself out there for this, and it is a really good cause because the ocean is a a pretty special place, and we do need to protect it. Hundred percent. So I'm just looking. You can actually go onto uh, liveocean.com and forward slash swim the swim for the golf and so he's got 41 kilometers to go so he's got to swim a marathon and he's been swimming for 20 hours 15 minutes so far he's done 62 kilometers he's still got a marathon to go literally um 
it's an incredible piece of human achievement to even make it this far. I want to get right in behind him. We'll talk about him throughout the morning. Jono Riddler is his name. You can go follow his Instagram. You can go follow Live Ocean. Hopefully we can chat to uh, Pete, sorry, Blair, Blair Chuk after 7 o'clock. If not, Josh Jr. will join us to talk uh, San Fran and the Sale GP, Kempe, because, um, as you mentioned, it all comes down to this weekend. Five fleet races, then a one-race sh- one shootout, and there is still a chance that the, the New Zealanders still have to, the Kiwi boat still has to sail well in the fleet races to mm. lock themselves in, in this final as well. So it's not just like rock up and roll the dice. They really have to lock themselves in. And then after 8 o'clock, it's Shane Cleaver. Yeah, the former Taranaki and Chief, Taranaki player and Chief. Um, he had some unfortunate run of head knocks going back probably about a decade now or a little bit longer ago when he was a professional rugby player. But since then, he's involved in a, a pretty successful dairy farm. He's a big duck shooter. He enjoys his life on the farm. So we'll catch up with Shane about his life in footy and on the farm for Collier's Rural. So that's what we've got going on today. But as we did yesterday, Kempe, we've it's New Zealand Music Month, so um, and we've got these Chemist Warehouse fragrance packs to give away. So we've got another track for you. Nice. I can't wait to see what Neeps has got, actually. Um, I'm, I'm sort of looking at him going, yeah, I think he'll go a little bit more probably 70s, 80s, Kiwis. Yeah, oh, he's, he's sort of going, maybe, Ooh. maybe. <laughs> what, if you're wondering what we're talking about, it's New Zealand Music Month and uh, Mother's Day is coming up and Chemist Warehouse has some Mother's Day fragrance packs for us to give away over the next couple of weeks. So every day we're going to give you three very short snippets of a New Zealand track and you've got to text us, double eight, double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine, what the name of the song is, who it's by, and if you get that right, you go in the draw to win uh, one of these fragrance packs per day. So you've got three chances to guess one per snippet of music. Chemist Warehouse, the real house of big brand fragrances this Mother's Day. Head in the store or online today. Here's the first snippet. All right, Neeps. Just leave it hanging. I can see the look on Kempi's face. He's Deep pondering. South. Definitely. Deep south. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not it's not like a layup like yesterday. One more time, Neeps. Okay, one more time. One more time. Ooh. Very good. Double eight double three. If you think you know who that is and what that is, text us now, double eight double three, and you go in the draw to uh, get yourself <laughs> this chemist warehouse big brands big brand fragrance pack. Um Kempi, Torhu Harris. And Torhu Harris and Chancellor Huklokstad involved in the, the match day squad. Well, sorry, the, the Tuesday squad when the team was named last night. Do you think Torhu will play? Well, interesting. We talked to uh, Justin Morgan on Monday and, and he sort of let the cat out of the bag that he's been training quite well and uh, that they had their fingers crossed that he possibly could be right for the game. I think with Tohu, he wouldn't be the type of bloke that would like to play games, be named and pulled out, especially in that captain's role. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hear what people are saying, you know, like rest them up and make sure that you get them right. When you've got a knee injury like that, you either rest up for months or yeah. you manage it through games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's really important at the moment that they manage it through games. So if he's at 70%, and Tohu would know this because he's been around for long enough, um, he would be making the decision himself with Webby and saying, you just put me out there. 
I'll manage myself through the game and make sure I get through it. And I, for me, after the game on the weekend, he actually, you realise that he's so important to the side. Like, you knew he was important to the side, but not because of the, the work rate, but because of what he's bringing to the offence. Because, you know, they didn't score any points on the weekend. And one of the biggest parts of the game that they missed was that um, pass, that soft hands in the middle of the park, where he decides to carry or decides to pass the football. And it just compresses that defensive line because they don't know what's coming around it, around him, which allows the edges to have that fun on the outside. Now, he didn't have that on the weekend against Sydney City. Mate, the, defense, the, the defensive reads were just way too easy. So even if he goes out there and and plays a little football and manages himself through the game, I think it'd be a a real acquisition to the side come up against um, Penrith on Saturday afternoon. You need as much leadership as possible out there against um, Penrith. They're getting some key players back as well. Penrith, funnily enough, uh, right there with us on the ladder, a hit on points differential, but. I mean, the the thing is, like Panthers, they've they've dropped half their games this year. Very unusual, considering where they've been the last couple of years. And and that loss to the Tigers, I mean, the amount of near misses they had, it would just be. I'm sure they will be extremely frustrated, and I'm I'm a little bit worried of a <laughs> copping the wrath of them, Kimpy, trying to sort their, you know. Oh, this is the line in the sand game for them. Hey, do you think we're still tied? You know, Ivan Cleary throws down the gauntlet. If you think you're the team you are, well, you need to go out and you need to deal with these Warriors with injury hit, uh, an injury hit Warriors side. I'm a little bit concerned that we might just cop the revenge game, you know? Well, there's a couple of things here. One, there's a stat out that every time the West Tigers have beaten Penrith in the past, the next week Penrith have gone out and lost. So that's, oh, that's wow. one stat that's that's been bandied around. But the second part of um, that conversation around Penrith is, remember we spoke in the off-season after the World Cup when uh, we're talking about how the NRL looks like this year and we spoke about 20 players out of that Penrith structure headed up to the World Cup. Now, I don't think Pe- Penrith people need to panic. I think it's just a matter of time before Ivan works through his squad and he gets them all coming back in some type of form together uh, later on in the season. They were always going to be scratchy at this time of the year. But come through Origin, you know, where he's going to start to rest some players and and hopefully hang on to that top four spot, I still think Penrith are going to be there or thereabouts. What what happens on Saturday? Well, look, I think if Tory plays and the way that we're playing when he's in the side, I thought, mate, against this Penrith side, I think we're a dead set chance. Mm, okay, very, very good. 18 minutes past 6 o'clock. Uh, that's Kempe's take on Penrith, double eight, double three. Do you have any concerns around them? Get in touch with us on the Temper B Post text stream. Remember that Kennard's high phone line is there for you as well. Hey, yeah, some interesting... Uh, there's some interesting stuff coming out of FIFA, Kempe, that I'm mm. kind of curious to get your take on at 18, uh, 19 minutes past 6 o'clock now. Can't wait question of the day. Uh, so the big boss, the big man at FIFA, who we've heard a wee bit about before, and he's, he's said some strange things previously. The he's, a, he's an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Gianni Infantino. Well, he is the he is one of the most powerful people probably in the world, to be, to be honest, um, let alone sport. And 
we've got the Women's FIFA World Cup here in Australia later this year. And some interesting news kind of came out yesterday, and it started circulating after Gianni Infantino actually addressed, and this is why I say one of the most powerful people in the world, because he actually made these comments at a World Trade Organization summit. So we're talking trade and enterprise globally, and he is a bit of a power broker when it comes to this stuff. He's threatening to not broadcast the Women's World Cup in five massive European footballing countries. They are UK, Spain, Italy, Germany, France. And they're known as the, the big five. And the reason he is doing that is because he says that the offers were disappointing and a slap in the face to all women worldwide. He says it's his moral and legal obligation not to undersell the rights for these this World Cup. For some context, the and this will be, I suspect, USD. They had received offers, FIFA, from those countries ranging from $1 million to $10 million for the rights. Compared with $100 million and $200 million for the men's rights. So up to 100 times less. Um, actually, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're about that. And he's gone on to say, should the offers continue to not be fair, we'll be forced to not broadcast the FIFA Women's World Cup to the big five European countries. This won't happen. I mean, it's bravado. But he is basically saying he is putting a proverbial whatever to the head of these countries to say, you want us to pay women footballers more. You want us to treat and create a equal opportunities sport and provide opportunities to half the population. And women's football is massive. It really is. And it is growing at a rapid rate or not. But he's essentially putting a price. He's trying to decide the market for his product rather than letting the market decide the market for his product. Which, as you know, Kempe, is very strange. So I guess my question is, is what Gianni Infantino doing here fair enough or out of line? Because it's kind of a... We're stuck between the chicken and the egg for women's sport. Because he's saying we can't support them until... The market supports them. The market's saying, well, we don't want to support them because the market detects what we should do. So it's really interesting. And I don't know whether what he's doing is crossing the line or whether he's actually doing this out of full sincerity. I guess that's my question in a long-winded way. It's a very interesting one, I think, Kempe. Yeah, it is. And I think it's absolute rubbish, (laughs) just Mm. quietly. I think, you know, to say that they don't have the money and they're waiting for media rights um, based on the Women's World Cup, uh, not getting those, the, I guess the figure that Gianni wants, you know what I mean? That's what he wants, um, which is really, there's a couple of in- instances here to worry about. One is the political stance, which they say, well, it becomes political and we don't want to be political. Well, the last World Cup was political. Like every time you decide to, pl- to play a World Cup, it's a political decision from a country that is supported by its government that got, brings the World Cup to the country. So that's rubbish. And the second one where they say, well, we haven't got the money to support women's, you want us to support women's game. Well, that's rubbish too because you're wealthy. So just get on with it and stop trying to, you know, make as much as you can to to profiteer out of this. You know, the the women deserve better, I've got to say. In every country in the world, it's a World Cup. Of course I want to watch it. 
So you're saying the woman deserved better from FIFA when he's saying the woman deserved better from the broadcasters? 100%. Okay. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. What do you make of this? I mean, there's so much that goes into this, including time zones. The, the broadcasters will be spewing. They'll be saying, "You're absolutely nuts, mate." We set, we'll pay what we want to pay. This is not your job to set the market. I think it's very, very interesting. Kempi said, "Is say double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's very contentious. In between the chicken and the egg, who's right, who's wrong? Is it all just rubbish? Here with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. We'll be back after this. 28 minutes past 6 o'clock, and we're asking about Gianni Infantino uh, holding a gun to the head of broadcasters in Europe, saying essentially you need to pay more to support women's football, otherwise you won't get to watch it, which won't happen. Of course they'll watch it, but he's essentially trying to set the market for himself, and Kempi, your take is he is, I mean, he's just shifting the blame, really. He's kind of getting ahead of it and trying to... Because ultimately, FIFA, let's let's not pretend FIFA doesn't have a buck to pay them themse- themselves, right? Well, that's exactly right. And and I guess, it, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. The, the media rights have done their due diligence, okay? So they've not just gone, oh, plucked the figure out of the air and said, here's $1 to $10 million for the media rights to, to broadcast uh, the FIFA World Cup for women. They would have done their due diligence. They would have said, "Well, how, how much can we on sell this to the to the advertisers for? Who's going to pick up the major major rights for it? Where do we sell it? Which countries do we sell it into? How are we going to recoup this money? What what's the profit we're going to make? Yeah, and then they would have gone, "Well, based on these this equation, we will we'll make you an offer." Now FIFA have basically told the media rights that, "Well, you don't know what you're doing." You know, we actually we actually have done the same the same. Um, Equation and we think it's worth this, mate. The media rights people will say, "Well, mate, well then you broadcast it." And I guess the whole basis of what FIFA, where where he's pretending, and and whether this is virtue signalling, whether he's actually sincere about this or not, he's saying, "How can we ever grow the women's game if you're not prepared to pay more than maybe it's worth?" Well, see. <laughs> Glass half empty, that that isn't it. See, glass half full is, well, let's pay the money and, and put on a really good show and grow the space so that they know what they're going to get in the future. Now, that's right, Kim, but the only, loser here are the, the only losers here are the actual women who deserve better. Exactly, and 100%. And I, and I agree with that um, sentiment exactly. The only losers here are the women. You know, mm-hmm. they're the they're the ones that are playing in the World Cup that FIFA are meant to be supporting, and now FIFA uh, um, are hamstrung um, on whether or not they get to show it in five of the best, best biggest uh, footballing countries in the world. And John says on double eight double three, if old mate is serious about not undercutting the woman and giving them what they deserve, what's the prize money for winning? I bet you it's not anywhere near the men's amount. I call ball like Kempi. Well, that's right, John. That is absolutely bang on. There is a world, and look, <laughs> I think the theory running from the Christchurch SENZ studio is, well, Gianni Infantino is just trying to shift the blame on why, because this will be a story, it will be a topic, why the broadcast rights and why the women aren't, weren't paid that much, and he's just trying to get ahead of it early and say, well, I did warn you that the broadcasters only wanted to pay $10 million. I did say, I did my best. Yeah. I mean, that's the, cynic, that's the cynic in me, Kimpy. But, 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 but it's not the cynic in you because it's, it's logic. Of course it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. This, we are, how do we, hey guys, how do we make sure that we keep taking millions out of it and putting it in our own pocket? Well, let's call um, the bluff on the media rights and that, that'll just shift the blame. You're, dead, you're exactly right. 
You know what I mean? So would, I, look, yeah, I just would, think they're getting undercut. And it would it would really bother me if I was the broadcasters in this situation because as you see, Kippy, they're the experts. They pay. They they do rights negotiations for all sports all year round. And look, if that's what the market is at the moment for for how many people want to watch it in that time zone for women's sport, well, yeah, it is chicken and egg, and it does suck. But I mean, you can't just put it on the broad. You can't expect the broadcasters to pay something that it's not worth just so you can have your pockets full. I, I do. I see where you're coming from, and I uh, tend to agree. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together with shaping and build New Zealand. <laughs> Twenty-six minutes away from seven o'clock this morning. We're talking Gianni Infantino. We're talking Warriors Penrith. We're talking John O'Riddler swim the Gulf, who has right now completed sixty-two point eight kilometres. So he's done a kilometre since we've been on here this morning uh, in the middle of the Hodaki Gulf. He's got forty to finish before he finishes his goal uh, on behalf of Live Ocean and looking after the golf. An amazing, amazing effort of human endurance. But right now, let's get some headlines thanks to Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Joe? Former world heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder was arrested overnight for possession of a concealed weapon amid fight talks with Anthony Joshua. He's already been released on bail, but there remains fears that this might endanger his potential super bout with Joshua in Saudi Arabia later this year. There are plans for the two to face each other in December alongside a title unification fight between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. And I mentioned yesterday during our show that the snooker final was taking place in the crucible between Mark Shelby and Luca Brichel. Luca got out to an early lead, but Shelby clawed his way back, leading to a tenth final few frames. The Belgian was ultimately able to hold the Brit off, though, becoming the first player from mainland Europe to claim snooker's world championship. And we have more Premier League action on this morning uh, between two teams that are both feeling the hurt at the moment. Arsenal play Chelsea at Emirates Stadium with kickoff at 7am this morning. I wonder if uh, Harry Simeo is going to watch that one, boys, or he's, he'll be averting his eyes for the rest of the season. <laughs> he's back in the stadium. It's oh, he's actually, Let's get him back on. He He's actually he's braving it. And I saw him on Twitter saying that he's back there and he's he's going again. So, <laughs> oh, poor Harry. He's doing his best. Traders and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade. Power Pass. Charlie says women's Pro- World Cup prize money is $150 million compared to the men's 400 Well, there you go. That's not 10 times. Uh, that's far more res- respectable. So, look, take your point, Charlie. Don't want to pile on FIFA if it's not uh, all well and truly worth it. Um, I was just gotta... saying, I was just saying to Lou, like to the boys, that one of the big cards that he's holding up his hands, Yanni, is is the um, threat of piracy. You know what I mean? So if you don't want to, and and it's big through Europe, they're, they're trying to ca- um, can the piracy uh, the and and the the viewing of uh, European games at the moment. It's big. It's big over there, and I'm pretty sure that Gianni will say, well, you know, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to pay for it, or do you want it to be streamed? Because that's what people are going to do. If you don't show it on your station, well, it's going to be shown somewhere in the world, and you're actually trying to stop that anyway. So um, I don't don't think it's dead and buried. I I think, you know, with that context, I think that um, that decision and and what they pay for it, you've got to weigh it up between, well, 
what happens if we don't pay for it and it does become just total piracy? I can't happen. I mean, it, that would just be the it would be the biggest failure on the behalf on behalf of FIFA, and that would be be letting down the woman. It just like he, he's he's blu- he's called their bluff. They'll call his, and they'll probably get a slight bump out of it. <laughs> probably a, a a slight bump. I mean, the the broadcasters, the BBC can't let this happen. The, he knows that. The BBC knows that he can't let this happen and not go to air. That they know that. It, it's just. But it's theatrics, and it's a very interesting question, and I just don't think he's going to come away. People already remember his stance around the LGBTQ stuff out of um, yeah, the and the and the bar, and the bands, the armbands. He's well, he's, it's it's happening again. Like yeah, you know, it's a that's what I mean when you talk, say well, it's not a political. We don't want to be political about these decisions. Well, how well how is that? Yeah, what is it totally? Have you seen that text from Brett on the Tempe Post text machine? <laughs> yeah, he's well. Look, I was expecting it to come in a lot earlier. He's uh, we'll have to talk to Paulie Mawadi about that because he reckons his multi's still alive from yesterday when Paulie said that as he was going to be a no show this morning. Um, yeah, well, we'll see, Brett. We'll see what Paulie can throw us into because there's plenty on. There's plenty on this week, and uh, I'm uh, talking to Giddy up later on this morning about. My little multi that I think I I, uh, I I see a good game on the weekend that we probably could make a little bit of money out of. So um, Gareth over there and Aussie's giving a call. Give me a call, 11 o'clock, and the giddy up on the SENZ, uh, SEN app. You can go and check that out, and I'm going to throw one out to him this week. Right, there you go. It's a tease, Kempe. I love it. Uh, you got to say, it's world-class bookmaking from Paul Mawadi, as Joe said yesterday, because... He has just seen the threat of Izzy not coming to work today from a mile out, and he said, I'm not giving you any value around this. Why we, can't aff- we can't afford to go broke. He said, I'm keeping this tight. I'm keeping this odds on. <laughs> That's why he's sitting in the hot seat, Paulie Mawadi. One of the, <laughs> one of the best. Um, you know, it was interesting. Louis, I was just, just before we um, head, off, head off to um, another quiz that I'll get to run, uh, made that, that synthetic track down at Awapuni. I was reading yeah, about Sunday. that with Lisa Ladder. It made total sense, didn't it? When mm-hmm. she said, my horses are, you know, they, when they're coming back from injury, and of course down the central districts, they're running through all of these different tracks. Now that we have a synthetic track to train on consistently every day, I can see my horses getting better. Look out. Totally. It's awesome. It's been an asset for the Cambridge trainers. It's been an asset for the Christchurch trainers. And the other thing is, through winter, coming back out of spring, that's that's when you're really going to see the benefits of it because they'll be able to keep and it's great for owners because in connections because they can keep horses ticking over you can keep prize money coming in it's just totally it's a great thing and Sunday they race there so uh, very exciting that's right very, they kick off don't they they kick off on the synthetic yep and I think tomorrow they're on the Rickerton synthetic today they're up at Ruakaka we'll talk about that in a bit we've got the quiz coming up yes Kempe it's the Kempe quiz one last time well, one last time. We'll have to ask Paulie Mighty what the uh, readjusted odds are. But 0800 Take on the Kemp Master. I've got some clues. $50 bonus bet up for grabs. 0800-150-811. Now give us a call. Yes, it's 6.47, and you can give us a call, 0800-150-811 on the Kennards Hire phone line. That's right, if you're a 
new listener and you want to be a, in with a chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet, then uh, get on the blower because I'll throw you straight to the top and try and get you paid today. 0800 150 Give us a call. Okay, let's go to the phone line and we've got Kerry first up. Morena Kerry. Morning, boys. Morning, mate. Let's go to question number one. What is the name of Blair Took and Pete Berlin C-related charity? Uh, the Live Ocean. Bang. We'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. Live. 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 Live Ocean. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have said Live Ocean if I was looking at that word because I'm dyslexic. Anyway, how many combined NBA championships do Steph Curry and LeBron James have combined? Have a clue, Louis? Steve and Jared. Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. Oh. Number of these, nine. <laughs> that's a very close, Kerry. But no chocolates go to Richie and Upper Hut. Morning, Richie. Morning, Kim Pete. Morning, mate. Okay, very close. And Kerry was on that. How many combined NBA championships do Steph Curry and LeBron James have? Oh, go eight. Bang. Which tennis player announced the pregnancy yesterday at the Met Gala? Just so it wasn't Siri Kyrgios. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. Kyrgios, can he get pregnant? Oh, I didn't even know these days. Um, <laughs> good call, Richie. Four, three, two. Have a guess. Oh, he's been taken off the line. The boys are taking him off. Here, he's back. Oh, he's back. Richie, did you have, did you have an uh, answer there? Nah, I'm gone. Okay. See you, <laughs> la- <laughs> See you later, Richard. We're going down to Dunners to Luke. Morning to Luke. Morning. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Good, mate. Was it cold down there today? No, it's actually quite warm. It's beautiful. Mm. The tropics. I love it. Dunedin. Beautiful sunrise. Can't, beautiful wait, to, can't wait to get back there. Happen. Okay, which tennis player announced their down. pregnancy yesterday at the Met Gala? Serena. There you go. Which English football team as former NFL defensive star JJ Watt bow into ownership of? So I don't know if you read this, but these are... Oh, he got that. Say that again. Got a clue, please. (laughs) Well, it sounded like like clue, please. Is it... (laughs) Akia, <laughs> yeah. Our character in uh, Simpsons, The Simpsons, with the Mister. <laughs> very good, Louis. You can take that. You can take the clues from now, Louis. That was really good. What is this? Is the money one? What is Devin Conway's most recent IPL score? Oh, I can't have another clue, is it? No, and I would have given you the Roman numerals too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, 90. <laughs> hey, very, very close. Very, very close. Unlucky looking. We go to Jade in Hamilton. Morning to Jade. Morning, boys, shall we? Yeah, catch your point. Hey, what is Devin Conway's most recent IPL score for the money? 90, 92. There you go. Timing, Jade. Well done, mate. You've got anything for us? 
no, I've got nothing, boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep your ears posted because we've got Louis coming up next with Love Racing, and I'm pretty sure he's going to tip some out. Yep, we are three minutes away from 7 o'clock now, Kempi, and loveracing.nz, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Uh, hey, did you see Lucky Swainess up in Hong Kong over the weekend? Mm, I know that not you've got a couple of friends with some interests. Yeah, I'm not, coming, not getting anything out of me about that one. <laughs> I like to keep nice and quiet about that. Well, hopefully one day we can get an interview, can't we? <laughs> but Plead the fifth. Plead the fifth on that one. Okay, all right. Well, well, we'll keep our eyes peeled on the uh, Doesn't Taranaki mean that you region. Have to. Oh, look, I I wouldn't dare. <laughs> not not coming up through winter when I'll be really depending on the mail coming from the Shark Barn. Oh, um, we can have an off off air chat about that and and work out how we'll plot our media coverage around that one. See what sort of rights deal we can secure for any sort of announcements. Um, but that was amazing up in Hong Kong over the weekend. Lucky Swainess, bred out of Navarra Park. Swainess, who would have thought he would have one of the world's best sprinters? I mean, just you, you think our breeding industry can't get any, can't have any more wins, and then it just comes up with that. Congratulations, Navarra Park, everyone involved. Like, it's so exciting. He's he's got Swainess in his name, and he's doing it in the biggest sprints in Hong Kong. He won the sprinting series. They reckon he's going to get a slot in the Everest. It's just extremely exciting. And speak. I will not stop it. And speaking of Hong Kong, tonight, well, probably early tomorrow morning, actually, there's a horse that we've already had a win on in Hong Kong called Hoss, trained by our friend Jamie Richards. Well, he missed narrowly last start, but it's his second start in this grade in Hong Kong, and it's all done on handicap points and what grade you find yourself in. His name is Hoss, H-O-S-S, and I just off the top of my head, I cannot remember whether it's race six or race seven but go find the hong kong fields for happy valley and have a look for jamie richard's runner hoss in either race six or race seven you're not going to get a fixed market because we don't have fixed markets here at tab but race seven number seven race seven number seven what's his barrier uh race seven number seven drawn well barrier two (laughs) zach burden on top (laughs) just sits in behind the speed or pop off have the last go at them I think Hoss is getting back in the winner's circle, and tomorrow morning when we wake up, we should be waking up to more Jamie Richards' success. Blair Chooks, no... Oh, stranger success, is he? He's going to join us. It's up after this. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Three minutes past seven o'clock, you're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. It's Louie and Kempi, hopefully for just one more day, and then we can get your dagger bill back on the airwaves. We are busy this morning. Savatag, dagger bill. (laughs) Hopefully he's not too far away. Uh, Hopefully you are having a great morning today, and you're locked and loaded. We've got a big couple of hours to close us off. We're going to talk netball before the end of this hour. With Yvette McCausland-Jury, of course, head coach of the Central Pulse. They find themselves tied at the top of the ladder. And we're going to catch up with Blair Chuk in just a second. Before next hour, it's Shane Cleaver for our Collier's Rural Catch-Up. Uh, former first-class rugby player, played for the Chiefs, Taranaki dairy farmer extraordinaire now. So he's an interesting guy, and we look forward to catching up with Shane a little bit later on. And then we might have to lob out a, a rumour mill towards the end of the show, Kempi, and... Yeah, you got a couple. You heard a couple? Oh, mate, I heard a couple. Jeez, can't wait to get them out. 
Okay. Well, before then, uh, we are giving away Chemist Warehouse fragrances. And remember, all you got to do is guess the name of this song for New Zealand Music Month and who it's by. We'll give you three chances. You can have three guesses throughout the morning. Uh, this is with Chemist Warehouse because we have Mother's Day fragrance packs to give away. Chemist Warehouse is the real house of big brand fragrances this Mother's Day. Head in store or online today. Here is the second snippet. That's it. I got it. Come on, Ace. Oh yeah, that's you can't you can't miss that voice. Not we know who that flying is. Flying high. Double eight, double three. What are your guesses? Come through with the name and number of name and number name and uh artist and track and you can go in that drawer everyone that gets it right will go in the drawer right kempi uh we got plenty coming up and the news obviously coming through yesterday that Tohu harris and chance nickel clockstad are back in the warriors squad which is really good news it's very good news uh that they're back especially in the middle of the ruck i think that uh tohu adds that little bit of a passing game and footwork that really condenses the defensive line of the opposition, which has allowed, if you look at the way that we play, our expansive game for our outsided backs to um, to enjoy a little bit down there. So uh, I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, we'll be outstanding to it'll be outstanding to see whether they can stack it up a magic round. That Saturday slate of games. I mean, the Warriors really should feel privileged to be fired up and uh, involved in well, what is going to be an absolutely iconic day of rugby league. But rugby league might be one of the focuses. Something else that we have given a lot of time to, Kempi, is Sale GP. It has, and while Stephen Clay will be sinking threes against LeBron and the Lakers at Chase Centre this weekend, Blair Took and Team New Zealand will be looking to claim the first ever Sale GP title just down the road in San Francisco. Love that song too. They'll be the main spectacle of New Zealand and will look to confirm their spot in the grand final on Sunday against the iconic backdrop of the Golden Gate Bridge. Hopefully Blair's taking a surfboard because he's a wave under that. All going well. They'll line up in the last race for the season for the right to be called Sail GP Season 3 champions. Blair took. he's the big dog alongside Pete Burling in the New Zealand Sail GP machine and he joins us on the phone line now. Morena, Blair, how are you this morning? Yeah, Morena, boys. Good, thank you. Yourselves? Yeah, we're doing well. Whereabouts are you? Have you been up all night following along with John O'Riddler's um, quite incredible task? Yeah, it uh, certainly was hard to get a uh, good night's sleep, but um, about to head out actually onto the Hauraki Golf and um, uh, check in with him. So, yeah, it's an inc- uh, unbelievable. I've been, you know, we've obviously known about it for the best part of six months, but even as he's going through it, it's pretty um hard to fathom just you know what he's putting himself through mentally and physically um yeah it's unreal i'm just yeah, absolutely loving it and for him to be doing it under the live ocean banner and you know bringing much needed awareness to the hodaki golf um that's yeah it's epic yeah so just a little bit of context for everybody if you missed us last hour and we've caught up with john owen we're all in awe of what he's doing he is 21 hours 13 minutes through his swim he's 
done 64 kilometres. He's got just under a marathon to go, 39.4 kilometres, and, and this is all to raise awareness around the state of the Hauraki Gulf. So quite amazing, really, and, and live ocean Blair, people might see it on the SailGP boat or on your wetsuits or have heard about it, but do you just want to give us a bit of a reminder of what you and Pete have created and why supporting people like Jono is so important to you? Yeah, so Marine uh, Live Ocean is a marine conservation charity that well, we founded three and a half years ago, and it's all around trying to improve the, the health of our oceans. And um, I guess what John is doing now is something that we always – thought we'd have was um, other ocean champions you know using their platform or taking on epic challenges and then using that to then uh, shine a light on what's going on below this surface and and try and bring real change so I you know John has set the bar pretty high for people outside of uh, sailing you know, we've had other other ocean champions in sailing or uh, around that but um, you know he's really set the bar pretty high for um our first kind of real ocean champion coming in. Um, so, yeah, couldn't be proud of these doing it uh, under the live ocean banner. And, yeah, I mean, just the whole thing's been been epic. And, um, yeah, can't, you know, it's a huge day for him today, but he's got, th- got through the night. Um, it's not straightforward swimming out there. The weather window is pretty tight. So um, had to, we had to pull the trigger and try and get between these two um, weather systems. But uh, right now he's probably about 15 knots of northerly breeze so at least it's going the right way but there's a bit of swell and wind out there well you may have set the bar high but you guys get a chance to set it even higher this weekend Blair when you could uh head over to San Francisco I think you guys are leaving tonight aren't you and uh mate how good is it having Blair Turk talk to you about your swim you know, no I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure the Riddler in there um swimming would be quite quite happy that you're given the I uh, get the running commentary of his uh, his effort but you guys got a big effort coming up of your own haven't you yeah, we certainly have. Uh, yeah, grand final weekend here in, in San Francisco. In San Francisco, um, yeah, we're off tonight. So yeah, the whole season's been gearing towards this. The team's, you know, you know, done some awesome work to you know get some uh, race weekend wins, uh, really build and you know heading in. We're we're pretty excited. We've you know it's taken a lot of work to be able to be in the position to have a shot at winning, and you know we've still got. A, a big chunk of work to do to be able to do that um, with the qualifying races or the normal five fleet races throughout the weekend, which that'll then be added to the uh, or the, the f- finish finishing places after that will be added to the season score, and from there we'll take the top three boats into the into the final. So um, yeah, big big five races to begin with, and then um, hopefully win that final race and have a shot at the title. Lee, I know you, you guys have known about the, the way that it's set up and, you know, how it's a shootout for – the rules haven't changed. Everybody's known about it is what I'm saying. But as you get closer to it, does it start to get a bit weirder that it is just a straight shootout or you have thought about it enough that it just is what it is and it doesn't even cross your mind twice now? Yeah, probably the latter. Um, it is different for us as sailors. We're used to doing um, – I guess the sport in general is, is – um, previously been built around like I think um, consistency across races and when you're using mother nature you, you know there's always little wind shifts or things where you maybe don't you know you doesn't always go to plan um, so then over the over a week or however many the series is normally you see the winner um, that's how it's been in the in the Olympics or the America's Cup stuff but yeah the way the SailGP is they've you know the rules have been set from the start right from season one that um the the final the season comes down to one race at the end 
Um, so it's going to come down to, you know, key moments in that race, one moment or, or a, f- a few moments in that race. And, um, you know, that's the sort of things we've been talking about um, as a team heading in. But like I said at the start as well, um, you have to get to that stage of the weekend. So the, the first focus is really on actually making the final. And then we've got some, um, I guess, some structures in place to be able to switch into into that mentality of just w- one race f- for the season. So so just on that Blair, you know, because it's a it's a it's a shootout, as you said. When you head over there, are you are you getting in the water with some some uh, I guess some energy and some um, mental preparation left in reserve for the final? Are you going to go just straight into that that first day on Saturday and um, and just try and take out the, the as many races as you can and just make sure that you're in that final? What's what's the strategy? Yeah, probably we got you. You got to be in to win, so you got to yeah definitely trying to race well on the Saturday and the first couple of races on the Sunday. Um, you know, both from a, if we do that, then we leave things in our control with that little bit of a points buffer we have over third and fourth. It means that, you know, if we're essentially in the top five, then we, that's in our control. Um, anything outside of that then starts getting into math territory, which is not what we want to do. Um, but yeah. And I, I think the other important factor is that we want to, be racing well heading into the into the final that'll give us confidence um and if we do make it to that final race which is what the aim is so i think that's probably the mo- the more important one is to be racing well so you you're set up nicely for for that one final race it's been a little while since those uh, that amazing day down here at, um over at littleton so and i know you guys have spent a lot of time with your america's cup your team new zealand gig um just without getting super technical for the athletes at a crossover between the America's Cup gig and the F50s of the um, Sail GP. Is there anything that you'll need to recalibrate yourselves with or is when you're talking foiling at this sort of level, your specific job and uh, Pete's specific job, it's all similar enough that it doesn't take you that long to recalibrate? Oh, no, it's it certainly, um, you know, the F50s, the F50 and it is, that's the only one like that and, um it's the only chance we really have to have all six of us uh, on the boat at the same time. So we're lucky that uh, three or four of us are on the boat or even some you know, up to five five of us are on the boat at Team New Zealand. Um, so that, that does help, but it's quite a different environment. And this between these two SailGP events, we've been, as people would have seen, been on Tirehutai, the, the uh, big boat. So, um, you know, that is, that is a little bit different than the F-50s. So there's there's definitely positive for us just being sailing you'd you'd much rather be out there sailing um you know the speeds go the speeds of the boats are quite similar so where you're looking for the wind um all those sort of things are uh, are the same so that that is good um but we yeah i think we've worked really hard as a team over this year um you know the training time for sail gp has always been um, restricted um so we've had to get some things in place to try and learn as much as you can in between events, um, you know, uh, as a team looking through the data or um, really diving deep into how we operate as a team. To, and that's really where the, the gains are because you need to come out on the Friday, um, train well in the, in the practice, and then um, and then you're straight into it. Hey, Blair, essentially it's your, your grand final. Would, 
what um, do you guys have a theme like that you take into this week? And and what about um, motivation? Like, do you have guest speakers coming or John O'Riddler? You go to yeah, like <laughs> yeah. You know, is there a John O or is there somebody that you guys have coming in or have had coming over the last week or on the weekend when you're over there to uh, just to 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 pump up that motivation and around the theme that you're taking into that that um, grand final? Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, John is certainly motivation um, enough what he's taking on. Um, the whole team's right behind that. But, no, I, I think we don't have uh, specific themes we we take in um, or uh, or guest speakers as such, but we're, we're pretty lucky we've got a, a tight-knit crew that, have, you know, we've been through a lot of these um, environments before, big um you know whether it's been at the Olympic Games or the America's Cup, uh, so we we really look forward to these weekends. I think we're um, trying to embrace that added pressure and all that added noise around um, what's going to you know happen over in San Francisco on Saturday and Sunday. I think that that excites us, and um, yeah, I, we've just spoke we've spoken more within the group, and everyone knows their roles and and what they need to do to, to in order for us as a team to to be the best we can on on Sunday afternoon. So. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting place to be, and team team's good, and you know haven't really felt this buzz around the whole group for for a long time, so it's awesome. Oh, well, good luck, mate! Like we've absolutely loved getting into it at SCNZ. We really enjoyed it. Uh, we know our listeners um, they appreciate it as well. Like week in week out or month and month out sailing at this level to follow has been really exciting. And just a heads up, Nat has um, already signed either you or Pete up for an interview on Tuesday morning seven a.m., which is Monday midday San Fran time. So just bear that in mind if things go really well. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to. It'll be top of mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> outstanding player, Duke. Uh, he's a champion, co-CEO with, uh, of course, Pete at SailGP Kiwi Team. All the best, man. Yeah, thank you very much. There you go. He's a champion, Kempi, and uh, those those guys will they'll celebrate well. Uh, either way, because it's been a massive season, and they've this is really the first season where they have consistently been able to perform. It's it was actually hard going. We kind of forget that in season two when they got involved. It's actually pretty hard going for them, and, and they really have had to learn the boat, learn the team competition, learn the limited practice time. So we should be really proud of their efforts this year, whatever happens in San Oh, mate, it's in second at the moment, and uh, I just took out of that that they'll be racing to make sure that they get through to that, that shootout um, at the back end of their trip up to San Fran. And look, I think they're in with a dead set chance. I know the Aussies are, are hot favourites. They're, they're sailing their boat really, really well. Um, and got Ainsley, of course, in the GBR and and the and the French when they came over here down in Littleton, they sailed really well as well. So there's a there's a chance that um, things won't go their way, but I just think they've got too much talent on their boat. Um, and man, I'm 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 converted. I, I love SailGP. I think the whole event, the people that are around it uh, for our New Zealand boat were some of the best people I've ever met, and so hospitable. I uh, can't wait for them to come back to New Zealand. Yeah, totally, Kempe, and it was so much fun down here. Littleton again next year. Uh, ooh, actually, uh, well, Auckland. Um, I heard it was Auckland it, with the finish yeah. line directly underneath the Harbour Bridge, which would That's be fantastic. Right. That is right. So, 
here's the scenario, just so everybody knows. New Zealand will hopefully join Australia in the grand final. The Australians are the only team that are booked a place in the grand final. We just need to finish um, fifth or better in the San Fran fleet racing competition to absolutely make sure we get in. There's a chance that both France, uh, both France and Great Britain could dislodge us, but we would have to finish sixth and one of them would have to win. So mathematically, and I know the team won't want to get bogged into that, we're looking pretty good, but they still have to sail well, and that's all they need to know. They need to sail well, they need to try and win, and then from there what happens, happens. That's what's going on in uh, San Francisco this weekend, and you can watch it as well, remember. Uh, I think it's the time zone's fantastic. It is going to be about 9 o'clock Sunday, Monday, so bang, right in the middle of your kind of mid-morning, it's going to be a great time to get involved. So enjoy that. And we will 100% be backing Blair Chook and the team and John O'Riddler as well with Live Ocean. 22 minutes past seven. Kempi's going to go off the back fence in just a wee bit. Here with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. With the Rugby World Cup just around the corner already, a new coach and staff have been hired to replace Ian Foster and his merry men before ball has even been kicked. And already this week... Both coaches have been asked a question around selecting overseas players who could be selected to play for the All Blacks. And it has drawn different responses from the incumbent coach and of course the new coach of the All Blacks. To be honest, this does make me ponder the question, who has the right answer going forward? Is it Fozzie or is it Razor? Fozzie thinks selecting overseas-based Kiwis will be disastrous for developing rugby players in New Zealand. However... Razor has simply said that he thinks the NZR need to look at it. While both have valid opinions regarding selection of players from overseas, many other sports have shown that it can and does work. Furthermore, sports already select overseas sports people to represent New Zealand and it does not interfere with development of their sports at home. From my point of view, for, for the NZR who say that there would be an exodus of players is simply a smokescreen. For instance, there are only so many positions that could be filled in overseas quotas. And don't forget other countries' potential restrictions on eligibility rules. If the NZR opened its borders and allowed players to play anywhere in the world, other countries would still limit the influx of Kiwis with caps on numbers. And of course, this is happening in reality with Kiwi nationals swapping countries so they can play international sport. Numerous international teams contain Kiwis. Given that the best competitions are currently in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm right behind selecting our ABs playing from overseas if form warrants it. If the NZR doesn't loosen their grip on overseas restrictions, then I can see the already diminishing value of the iconic black jersey losing its value for both player and more importantly supporter. And that's something that nobody wants to see. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yeah, Kempe, look, I have spent a lot of time thinking about this, a lot of time, um, and I think the biggest telltale sign is another pretty much Commonwealth for all intents and purposes sports, and that is cricket. And look what was in the exclusive article that the Times had put out last week, um, Elizabeth Amon in the Times, that there was up to six English players that play for England who had been approached and were considering taking full-time IPL contracts all year round. So 
and then, you know, only play for England when they're picked. That's where cricket's going, and cricket already has an IPL tournament cut out where players can go and earn mega bucks and come back and then play for their actual, on their national contracts. So if that's two steps ahead, at the very least, I can see a world in which a Bowden Barrett, a Richie Mwonga, a Sam Kane, a Sam Whitelock, a whoever, is released to go and play offshore, fill their pockets, and in the same year, play for the All Blacks. Now that might mean they're still centrally contracted to New Zealand rugby, but they are released to go. At the moment, these sabbaticals are contract. They are season by season. They are, you know, they're off for a sabbatical for a year at a time or two years at a time. I think they're going to have to become more nimble. Otherwise, you're exactly right. You're exactly right, and the diminishing returns are going to get overgrown. Yeah, and there's a restraint of trade clause that possibly could be brought up uh, in the future from players that want to make it in international football. The, the b- big one here is quotas, like – to say that the development um, the development of players in this country is going to be somewhat cobwash because they're all going to head overseas just is not true. Like you can't just say, "Well, I'm going to play overseas." Well, first of all, first and foremost, the best competitions are up there. They're going to have to want you, so you're going to have to be pretty decent to play there. And the second, and, the, and actually, the third point is, if the best competitions are up there, well, of course you're going to pick them if they're playing good enough to play for New Zealand. Because they're playing in the best competitions in the in the world. I just I just think it's uh, you know it's going to happen, Louis. Whether we like it yeah, or it will. not, they're just hanging yes, on. Yes. They're hanging on too tight. It will happen. You will happen. the the other The other part is Hamish McLennan, the the chairman of Australian Rugby, said that he wants this draft system. He wants a pretty much another overhaul of Super Rugby to include a draft system and to have it so that Wallabies players could play for New Zealand franchises and being picked, and vice versa. Well, that's not enough. That won't save you. Just because Bowden Barrett can go and play on the Sunshine Coast or in Sydney with the Waratahs, that's still not going to quench the thirst of those big salaries and the players wanting to explore further. So um, that that's not the answer. That's a half-baked version of the answer. You're going to have to go the full Monty. Arsenal just scored 30 minutes through that. Turn over Chelsea. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together with shaping and building New Zealand, what do you think? Do you agree with Kempi? Would you pick players from overseas? Twenty-seven minutes away from eight o'clock. Double eight, double three. Come through. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. The Kennard's higher phone line. Kempe thinks that we're going to get to a place where All Blacks will be picked internationally. He's got no issue with it. What do you say? Let's get some headlines now with Kennard's eyes. Too easy weekend, Joe. Yes, as you mentioned before the news, Louis uh, Odegaard has got his second for Arsenal. They're up two nil over Chelsea. Meanwhile, three nil. Three nil. Oh, they just scored again. Wow. There you go. Meanwhile, Liam, Lionel Messi has been suspended by Paris Saint-Germain for two weeks after travelling to Saudi Arabia this week without the club's permission. It is understood the 35-year-old asked permission to travel to Saudi Arabia to carry out work as part of his role as a tourism ambassador to the country, but was denied. And the Silver Ferns will play England in a three-test series in September. The two sides will play for the Tiny Jameson Trophy, a fitting tribute to the legendary New Zealand coach and administrator who passed away last week at the age of 97. The series will follow the World Cup in South Africa in July and August and precede the Constellation Cup against Australia in October. There you go, guys. Okay, thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. 
Hinata is too easy weekend, two days high for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Jamie says, I'm okay with it, Kempe, but maybe no more than, say, three at a time. Well, does that not create more issues with squabbling and infighting and jostling for contracts? Or is that along the right lines to keep it capped? Yeah, look, it, it's, of course, it's going to be capped. It's it's not going to be New Zealand that decides three at a time. You know what I mean? You've got to think... All right, so in the Northern Hemisphere, they've got this competition that runs in, in the UK and in France, for instance, and they're run by governing bodies that want to try and keep this competition, especially French players and English players, coming through and developing. They just put a quota on it. So they, all of a sudden, New Zealand says, OK, open the doors, open the, open the borders, let's go to England. The English Rugby Union will say, well, you can come to England, but there's only two spots in a team. So what happens with the English teams is then they decide, well, which are the best two players? That's why the draft system, why they're talking about the draft system, where the draft system would work, um, taking players from New Zealand and putting them in there. You're not going to get a mass exodus of players. You might do in junior grades. You might get doing junior grades where kids come out of high school and say, well, I'm going to go up and play in a, in a junior competition up there, but not at, not at the premiership. In, in France and England, because they'll just put a they'll put a restriction on and say we'll only take two or three players. And Jamie's on he's right on the money, but it will come from up that end of the uh, world, not down from down here. Yeah, understood, understood. Hey, something Izzy's spoken about before, which he referenced was the something that he was gutted that he missed out on in his time playing rugby, which I can see being maybe the only alternative to stop the floodgates on this, is a World Club World Cup. Giving the likes of your Crusaders, Hurricanes, Blues, Chiefs, Highlanders, Moana Pacificas to be able to play in a tournament or a series across the year against the Northern Hemisphere teams to expose them to better prize money, maybe a separate prize pool, and also to test themselves against a different playing group and also win different silverware that is going to be highly prestigious because you could call yourself the best club in the world. Could you see that slowing this down? Uh, well, I think it will slow it down because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make, um, I guess, different. They're trying to create different avenues and pathways to stop this uh, floodgate from opening. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's still not going to fix the problem, and it's not a new. It's not a new competition. So rugby league tried that back in Super League. So they took you know all the Super League teams up, played all the English teams, and then they 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 picked the a winner that won the competition as the best. Uh, club team in the in the world it was actually a really average competition. Um, so first and foremost, I think when you're talking because off the back fence is about the All Blacks, it's more about picking players. Bundy Arkey, for instance, you know what I mean, that runs around second five eight for the Irish team. Um, and and there's a number of instances where you can say, well, there could be Kiwi players playing in all sorts of teams, as they do the Gatlins for Wales and and the Howarths and all them type of players. You know what I mean? So, I think it's more about if you go up to England or France to play, is the competition good enough that warrants you picking an All Black from that competition? Because that's where the rules are at the moment. They're like, no, you have to play in New Zealand. And I think once they change that rule to say, well, if you do want to go up there, like Izzy wanted to go up there to France, well, and your form warrants it because you're playing in the best competition uh, in the world, we're going to pick you. There's nothing to do with travel. The games are global. There's nothing to do with travel. There's nothing to do with, you know, you're playing a club 
game up there, you're not playing super rugby. Like the best teams in the world are in France and England. Uh, in France and Great Britain, sorry. You know what I mean? So I just think it's, for me, when I watch it, I just think it's actually, it's progressing and there's just people, they try and close the door on it all the time. Interesting. Uh, we'll watch this space and again, love to hear from you whether you can see it happening, whether you've got an issue with it happening. We're 20 minutes away from eight. We need to shoot off and get back with Yvette McCausland Jury. She is the head coach of the Central Post. The Central Post have proven that even in the face of adversity, champion teams find a way to succeed. After a string of close defeats to start the season, the Pulse have climbed their way back to the top of the table. How good, giving themselves a chance to defend their title and see off their coach, Yvette McClausen Jury, in an appropriate fashion. She is with us this morning on the back of an impressive win over the tactics on Monday night. Morning, Yvette. How are you this morning? Morena, you could thank you. Morena, Morena. Hey, it has been a really tight season, hasn't it? Like, even though you find yourself sitting at the top of the table, um, watching the games this year, there's plenty of games where you just don't know what the result's going to be. Oh, absolutely. You sit there, you take a photo of it and celebrate for that wee moment because it's probably about to change the next day. But, um, yeah, look, we're sitting in number one. We're, we've got a game ahead of others. We've just finished nine in the last month, so... Yeah, we've uh, look. It's great to be in that position, and as you said, we've had to work pretty hard to get there. But the competition's outstanding every week, as you say. It's um, anybody's game, and we've got three uh, games still in hand in the round robin, to, and we need to win them to basically get inside that top three. So, your five teams still chasing three spots. Oh, it's great for motivation purposes, isn't it? Yvette? It really seems like in a competition this tight squad depth becomes important because if you lose one or two of your you know, top-end Silver Fern players, you really need the next person to be able to step step up. Is that how you see it? Yeah, look, it's a 10's always a really tight number and, and we are allowed to have 12, so you can pay for additional players each week if you need them. But I think, as you say, we celebrated yesterday the fact that we've had every player available for every single match and making sure that they stay healthy and, and ready is important. But as you say, that other part of the depth is is having that cover. And when you've got a 10, trying to find, making sure that you've got cover across the court creates quite quite rare combinations. I've, I've moved one of our defenders, Paris Mason. She's now covering also for us in wing defence, and that's new for her, um, and especially new at this level. But look, I think with everything, they're skilled and you give them the confidence and reasonably straightforward game plan and I don't leave them out there for too long, make sure that they're successful and that they remember that and keep building their minutes. Yes, you you have to continue to build that team, uh, don't you, Yvette? You know, the loss of Alea done to the tactics at the se- uh, early on um, and Matoto's ability to fill the void of the season, how's that all gone for you? Yeah, look, I think um, for us, the key bit out, out the front, Amelia Wormsley coming into goal shoot, who was with us last year, and I, I think when we totaled it up, she'd only had about six minutes throughout the whole of the ANZ, but part of that strategy, and that was year one for her, was having her playing consistently in the next league, that National Netball League um, for our Manawa team, just below the ANZ Premiership. And I think for us that she's come in really well. That um, oh, hasn't been easy, and some days she you know, gets pushed around and she's got to get stronger and all those sorts of things, but that'll... That'll take time with a 19-year-old, but the service of Whitney Sooners and Maddie Gordon and Tiana Mituro in front of her just allows her just to focus on her role. Mm. We don't get her to do anything too much more, nothing too complicated, and they pick up 
um, the slack in that area. But look, I've just been impressed every week. We ask a little bit more of her, and every week she works really hard. She's great with self-reflection, and, and that's one of the, the big things with having games so close together. You've got to learn fast, um, take those lessons and move on, and, and also celebrate the good stuff. I mean, there's times when it's not the most perfect performance, but you know, right now, wins are women getting three points on the board. We're probably a bit too far behind in points differential to maybe take that number one spot unless, um, you know, teams get beaten. But um, all we can do is control what we can, and that's to try and put our best performance out each week. Magic mystics tactics to come home from here. Mm. You say you want to win them all, and, and well, doing that, you give yourself a chance of finishing top. If not top, how important, and you guys have been experienced in these positions for the last better part of half a decade now, if you can believe that. How important is hosting mm. that elimination final, if that's where you get to, in those kind of one-off one shootouts? Yeah, I actually think it's, it's, I mean, it's not the end of the world if you have to play away, but... It certainly makes a massive difference for us. The crowd at TSB are pretty relentless and they enjoy the game. They enjoy both teams, actually. They really celebrate good netball. They're enthusiastic. So we would love to be at home. I think it's all the other bits with travel, just that time on your legs and trying to plan where you're going to do your next trainings and resting and recovering. So it's nice to be able to be at home and that's our, our goal is to hopefully one, get in that top three and then if not number one, to take that number two spot. So us and everybody else in the competition, of course, <laughs> aiming for the same spot. So, no, it's good. It's, um, yeah, would be really great if we could do that. Well, it's exciting, Yvette, and that's what people want to um, watch when you're, you're tuning mm. in to, to watch you guys play on telly. Do, do you think it, um, because it's a World Cup year, that all the teams have really lifted their, the bar um, across the competition and why it's so tight? Yeah, I think there's a balance of that. There's some obvious pressure around selection and some days, you know, that weighs really heavy for them. But um, at the same time, I think there's been a really good mix in that off-season of players moving into different teams across the country. And I think that's brought really good balance. What I've noticed is there's been a huge increase and in improvement in shooting consistency week in and week out. And that's lifted the percentage well up in, you know, that early to mid-90s, which previously was was probably sitting more around the 88%, so that makes a big difference in the other area that I think all teams have made really good progress on is their loss rate. So not a lot of ball to be had. It becomes a very much an attacking game, and a lot of people are much, I guess, just a lot um, more accurate with the ball that they've got in hand, and so that's making a big difference as well to attempts, but also to that shooting percentage. So... It's, um, yeah, very much, I think some games, you know, the defence aren't getting a lot of gains at all. So that's a real challenge for us is that's an area that we were reasonably strong in, but that's getting really hard to find balls. So good improvement across the board, but I, I agree. Also the fact that it's World Cup year um, certainly has everyone on notice. Oh, super insightful as always, Yvette. Hey, w w y this is it, you know, the last dance as they're calling it. Yeah. Do you do you know do you know what um what's next for you? Or are you just waiting for some other pieces to fall in place before you commit? No, I'm um, heading. So Nathan, my husband, and I we're heading to Auckland to um, work at uh, Tipani or was called Saint Stephen's School out in Bombay and. Nice. Really wanting to, obviously, our school in Manukura in Palmerston North. We've been there for over 20 years. So, yeah, looking to get that going and want to make a difference for Māori boys in education. So, yeah, looking forward to a new challenge. And don't think they'll want a netball coach, but that's okay. I'll, I'll find something <laughs> else to be a 
Hey, Yvette, I, you know, you and Nathan, I've been down to Monokura um, and done some guest speaking down yes. there with your with your kura down there. You've, you've done a fantastic job and no um, no doubt you'll do a, an even better job up here at Tipani and at the old St. Uh, Stephen's uh, School for Boys. I think it's much needed. Um, I just want to say well mm-hmm. done on your season so far. And if you need anyone to come out there and have a chat to our, our rangatahi, you just give me a call and I'll, um, I'll, be, I'll head out there straight away. Um, but all the best for uh, your Thank swan you. song and um, I'm, I'm from that region so I'll be back in the pulse all day, every day Appreciate it, thank you for your time <laughs> Kia ora, kia ora, there you go what a, what a chat that is and um, Yvette Jury, McClausen Jury, just on that in Manukura down in uh, Palmerston North where the, the school is that they've set up for it's basically a sports school, Louis where your kids yep. can go and play um, sports and go away to all the national tournaments. They've got lots of New Zealanders, uh, New Zealand representatives that go through there. And then, of course, on the back of it, a uh, semi-professional coach and, and assistant coach from New Zealand to boot. So some good IP there coming up to Tamaki. We're coming up to 8 o'clock, and after 8, it's all about rural communities with Colliers. We're doing our regional catch-up, sporting a connection to the land um, with Colliers. We love doing this, and here's a man who will be looking forward to duck shooting season. He's played a lot of top-level footy, but some unfortunate head knocks got in the way of that. He's now a top dairy farmer down there, and I think just out of Hawara. Shane Cleaver coming up. And speaking of Hawara, Paul in Hawara texts and says, Overseas clubs, Kempi, will target the new generation coming through. The likes of Roy Gard, Stevenson, Bodie Whitelocks, McKenzie won't be targeted as they are now at the end of their careers. We'll dilute the super comp. Players will be playing different times a year and the black jerseys should be what keep them at home. Oz, South Africa are losing their young players to English comps, not players at the end of their career. We need to be careful. Cheers. Paul and Harwood. We'll get Kempi's reaction to that after the news with Aroha for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Kia ora, good morning. I'm Anwar Hathaway with SENZ News. The National Party's been quick to spit anti-Labour spin following reports Mecca Whaitsiris jumping ship to Te Pāti Māori. Christopher Luxon on AM. Woken up to find out that there's uh, one minister that's left his cabinet. And so, um, you know, I think it just speaks to, you know, what's going on in this government. It's just falling apart. Judith Collins said it was akin to people escaping a sinking ship. The report about Whaitiri is yet to be verified. Parts of the North Island will be hit by 55 straight hours of rain. Chris Brandolino from Niwa on News Hub. We're going to see rain kind of shift from the Bay of Plenty, Coromandel, even Auckland, and eventually it's going to shift to Northland, Taranaki. So we have to watch places like the Upper North Island, especially Northland, Taranaki, maybe even the Wellington region, Kapiti Coast potentially, also Nelson and Tasman, the Upper South Island. A court's ruled a woman who suffers from PTSD after an ex... Four minutes past eight o'clock on your Wednesday of Sport, 3rd of May. Racing at Ruakaka a little bit later on today, of course. Warrnambool, the carnival, the jumps carnival over there into day two. And there's so much sport happening around the world, like Sail GP this weekend, the grand finale. We caught up with Blair Chuk. 
about an hour ago. That is at Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast, the podcast channel. We're in the SENZ app. Would love you to go and get involved there. Our man, Jono Riddler, is currently, what is he? He's 66.3 kilometres through his swim through the Hauraki Gulf. He's got 37.6 kilometres to finish. You can support him and go and have a look at liveocean.co.nz. Kempe, we're about to talk all things rural with Colliers, but before we do then, we've got one more clip of a song to play, New Zealand Music Month, and we have Chemist Warehouse Fragrance Packs to give away for Mother's Day for you. If you can guess this song, name an artist, and text us on double eight double three. here is the third clue. You've got to have a no. Hawkeye for that one. <laughs> the Nighthawk, Stuart Broad, his favourite song. <laughs> Maybe. Double eight, double three. You know it. It's a great tune. Great Kiwi musician she is. Right. Five minutes past eight. Let's kick on. Sport and the connection to the land. On Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence RE AA 2008. Yes, being a professional athlete at times can be all-consuming. Yes, don't you know that? It's easy to forget that inevitably there will be a time when you have to hang up the boots and start a new chapter in your life. That reality came at Taranaki and Chiefs prop Shane Cleaver quick, quicker than most after repetitive head knocks led to his early retirement. Shane made the decision to leave the game he loved in 2013 and take on the challenge of running his family's dairy farm down in South Taranaki in Hawara with his sister Natasha. He's gone on to thrive in his new career on the farm and is with us this morning to reflect on the steps it took to get him to this point in his life. And thanks so much for joining us this morning, Shane. How are you, mate? Is it cold down there? Is there plenty of snow on the mountain? Morning, guys. Um, no, we're actually escaping the worst of it at the moment. We've got um, that warm, muggy, sort of humid weather. Um, so you're having a great, great season to be a farmer at the moment. Yeah. Mate, you, you, yeah. are you, you're part of the fair, the the Fano with uh, is they, are they your cousins or your brother Josh and um, and Co. Josh Josh Cleaver. Ah, uh, no, sorry, don't don't think I know Josh Cleaver. Oh, no, okay. No, he's um, he might be a distant relative, but no, it's not a close one. <laughs> from yeah. down there, from down there in Taranaki. I thought I'd just ask you before we got started, mate. Yeah. Um, just tell us. <laughs> Just tell us a little bit how it's going down there at the moment and uh, how did you actually decide to, um, I know with a little bit of, you know, un, uh, mate, unlucky, um, you had a little bit of bad luck with the, the con- concussion. How did that all come about where you ended up back on the farm? Yeah, well, it was, um, I think it was sort of late 2000s where I was up with the Chiefs in Taranaki and the concussions just became more and more repetitive at, it ended up being a no-brainer for me. I just um, I felt terrible all the time, and I was dealing. With, so I was lucky to deal with some pretty good head specialists through the rugby union, and they sort of so they advised me that the time was probably to get out. And I suppose I was lucky. I had the farm and the family, which was always the end goal. So it was something I was keen to get into. So headed back to the farm, and it, it probably took a couple years of adjustment of really missing the game, but. I realise farming's its own challenge and its own sort of game and competing and not against each other but the seasons and everything. And, um, yeah, absolutely loving being back down Harwater and South Taranaki and being back on the land and running the family farm with its own challenges. So, yeah. 
Oh, Shane, great to have you on the show, mate. And it's awesome that you managed to get some, um, well, keep that connection and head back to the, the family farm. So you say that was always the that was always the plan. Did you have big aspirations in your rugby career, though? I mean, no one just wants to stop when they get to Super Rugby. <laughs> were you were you always wanting to wear that black jersey if you were going to be lucky enough? Well, to be completely honest, I mean that's the. Um that was, uh, I mean, the dream, but I mean, to be honest, the reality for me, I was a tight head prop at 115 kilos. I think at the time um, I had Ben Tumifun and Benny Afiaki with my competition, <laughs> who were both about 155. Um, so I probably was always aware the writing was on the wall. Um, mate, my bull skills were not flash at all. Um, Stephen is terrible. Um, I was, a, I was a bit of a workhorse. I like having rucks, but I was probably always aware I was never going to wear the back jersey. Um, but I suppose for me, what I really, really disappointed was I wanted to head offshore, you know, go live the life in southern France yeah. and play rugby and earn some big money and enjoy the lifestyle. And that, that was probably the part which I was um, quite disappointed I missed out on. Yeah, and being a front row, you would have picked up plenty too if you you had the opportunity to go up there. Just on that, I, I, I guarantee you that uh, those boys that you're up against at the time wouldn't know how to how to cup a cow um, at five o'clock on the morning when you're out there on the dairy farm. Um, so just tell us a little bit about that. You know, have, have you just slipped back into life as a dairy farmer, and and how good has it been down there in Taranaki? Because mate, there'd be plenty of grass with all this rain down there at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, I suppose I slipped in reasonably easy as I'd grown up on all my life. Um, definitely a bit of a change to reality from waking up in the morning, doing a hour's training and going for a coffee and brunch, you know, longer hours. But um, no, it's going really well. Me and my wife have just taken over sort of share milking, contract milking on the family farm. So we're sort of running it now. And yeah, we're having in um, unbelievable season, probably one like we'll never have again. You know, all the sad events that have happened on the East Coast and that we've just caught the edge of it and it's just kept us in good rain. So the farm's just covered in grass. We're going to um, have by far a record production season. Mm. Um, wow. Cows are, yeah, cows, cows are still humming. Um, no, it's been it's been a fantastic, terrible summer for getting the boat on the water or yeah. going for a dive or doing doing anything enjoyable. But as far as growing <laughs> milk, hey, milking cows, it's just been unbelievable. Yeah. Hey Shane, can I can I ask the question because it's probably a lot of our listeners out there thinking about. Oh, I wonder what it's um, it costs to get into farming. Like, what's a just say. When did you retire? Just have a think about when you retired, what a farm was worth to what it's worth today um, and compared to when your father bought it. We, what's the transition been like over the over the decades into into getting into farming and what, what does it actually cost to get a farm these days? Yeah, to, to be honest, it's pretty difficult these days. Um, it depends on like the quality of land. Obviously, it varies, but you know, like with what Dad was buying land for back in his day, I mean, it's almost around here. It's near impossible or very hard to buy. You know, it's, you're talking millions and millions. But there's a lot of opportunity in share milking. And that, you know, there's um, careers to be made out of the industry through share milking pit cows and owning your own herd. Um, so I, I think there's great pathways and great opportunity in the industry, even if you don't have sort of family land and you may not own the farm, there's still great great careers and it's a great lifestyle to be made out of it. 
So, and there is opportunity, you know, in other provinces where land's a little bit cheaper than around here to own your own farm. So, yeah, there's definitely opportunity there for people. Yeah. I guess a, a good thing for you, Shane, and any other former pro athletes that get into farming is you kind of understand the sing when you win nature of it like you're going to have good and bad days you're going to have good and bad seasons and it sounds like at the moment you you know you're at the high of highs but I'm sure in the, the past decade and in, in well your life on the farm there has been some rough times so do you kind of try to hold on to these years and know that it won't last forever and, and then brace yourselves because you've got to stay pretty level as a pro athlete and a farmer right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, farmers are notorious for, um, you know, screaming to the bank and complaining when the payout's down. And then as soon as the payout goes up, they've all got new utes and new boats. And they, uh, they, they do forget pretty quickly. But um, no, nah, we are, and I'm lucky to be in a family business that's pretty proactive. And, you know, like when the years are good, we try and pay down debt and be prepared because it is a big cycle game. And even this year, I mean, I should point out, Great production year, but profitability is really low and no different to anyone else. You know, interest rates, yeah. cost on farm, everything's through the roof. So, and our payouts sort of gone down a bit. So, although we are having an unbelievable production year, which is helping, it's um, it's certainly we're not in the most profitable years we can have. So, yeah, and there's a lot of farmers out there which are probably struggling at the moment just with the costs and all that. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not all um, all not not all as good as it sounds at the moment, but um, from a profit point of view. Yeah. Hey, Shane, did you come through um, Hawara High School or, or rural school um, in your primary years? And, and who was your favourite um, player in Taranaki? Because back in those days, we had plenty of good players. Yeah, well, I was actually Francis Douglas. I was a boarder. Um, but my favourite player when I was young was actually Bull Allen, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, so big Taranaki stalwart. And then as I got older, I suppose, I went into sort of Carl Heyman. Um, you know, he's back in the knacky now. He was a real legend of the game, all black, and then had some uh, some good years over in France. So it was always the local, I suppose, the local tight head prop that was doing well. It was always my hero. So, and, and, do you, and do you get to hang out with the, the old boys now? Like, is uh, the Taranaki Rugby Union, I know they're run by a good man at the moment. Do they have, like, old boy days when they, they put the games on, the NPC games, and get, get you all back in there together? Yeah, no, nah, they are. They've got probably got better in the last couple of years. Um, I actually just had a message from Scotty Wardrum this morning and they're organising a big reunion. Uh, Taranaki's playing Wellington in Manor in a pre-season game, which is a little town down the road from me. Yeah, the Arrow and, uh, boys have told us about that. Yeah, yeah, just celebrating the huge commitment that they've put into our rugby. So I think my whole era is going to get together and have a bit of a do for that, but no, Taranaki's great too. With, they always have a whole time of day and there's also a few good schemes. Like I'm part of what they call the Cockies Club where we donate some cold cows to them and for that they get us all along to the games and look after us. So, yeah, no, they are quite proactive within the rugby and also the farming community with keeping us involved. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Hey, there's a bit of a, a, a pretty strong racing community down there in the South Taranaki as well. You've ever been... Um Strong aren't any uh, strong armed into any horse ownership by uh, you know Johnny Wheeler oh, or Al Sharker nah, the, the Naki bull. <laughs> uh, yeah, nah. There's a big community even around me. The my I don't know the Myers brothers and uh, there's a lot of guys into horses. But nah, I'm, um, you've avoided that so far. Waste, oh, I'm good enough at wasting money as it is without owning a racehorse, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, Shane, I'm going to ask you the question. I don't know whether you can answer it, but there must be a story about Doc Van Prague that you've got. Oh, mate, I... <laughs> no, mate, Doc's a, bit of a, Doc's a bit of a legend, you know, like... Um, I a bad thing about him. The way, you know, when I first turned up in Taranaki and it was sort of, you know, it was professional days, but it was a lot more amateur than we had now. We all had free cards where we could get any booze we wanted over his bar, um, free meals, <laughs> and that was really, it was a really bad idea giving that to a whole rugby team. They ended up taking them off us just because of, we were having issues every, every Sunday we had to sort something out, you know, so, um, but the way yeah. he looked after us was fantastic, you know, who's a bit of a legend around here, old Doc. So. Oh, he would love to hear that. He might be around South Taranaki, but he isn't in North Taranaki or Waitara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, yeah, in Taranaki in general, I think he's pretty well known, old Doc. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Different era back then, eh, Shane? Hey, um, we'll let you crack on because you're, you're busy people, that, that you're farmers, love to tell us that. So um, we'll, we'll let you <laughs> move on with, with your day, but... I, we were asking everybody this week that's out in the regions. It's um, it's kind of like rural Christmas come around first weekend, first Saturday of May. So, do you get out on the ponds? Do you have a my my set up? Do you enjoy a bit of duck shooting? Yeah, I love it. I've um, yeah, I've got a really good pond with a my my on it. Um, to be honest, so it's going to be a different duck shooting. I normally we have the big opening day, you know, good food, lots of beers. But I've actually got a wedding down in the Manawatu, so. I'll probably save my weekend. I'll just take the dog out, shoot the rivers, and have a bit of a blast around the farm, do some practice. But there's an amazingly good duck population at the moment. Uh, ducks everywhere, which I think is quite consistent around the province. Everyone's um, speaking pretty highly of their duck numbers, so I think we're going to be in for a good opening morning, I'd say. Yeah, it sounds like all of that water has just got all of the swamps and all the rivers have been um, popping off, so they've been very happy, the old water creatures. Oh, well, that's awesome, mate. Well, good on you. Uh, well done for transitioning from footy to farming and back into it. Sounds like you're, you're going pretty well. It's great to catch up, Shane, and, and um, yeah, uh, I think it's awesome. People will be stoked to know that you're doing well and enjoying life on the farm. We appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. It's nice talking to you. Sport and the connection to the land on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Very good. Shane Cleaver. Gee, you love a bit of, we love a bit of Taranaki propaganda. I'm not even <laughs> from Taranaki, Kempe, but I love it. I'll tell you what, he's a good man too, Shane. You know, like the way, just straight up, I love the the the, uh, the, the content from Taranaki Farmers. Down. Got, as you know, Louis, got quite a few mates that have worked on farms down there, share milkers and the lot. Um, I had to throw in Doc Van Prague down there. If you don't know Doc Van Prague um, and you haven't been into Taranaki yet, just go along to the Crowded House. He owns a Crowded House, which is a main pub in the middle of town, which he'd love a shout-out for that. But he'll come in and he'll uh, he'll look after you if you mention mention my name and uh, probably give you a free beer. Say, so Kempe, he give you a free beer. Hey, um, I've just got a, got a special guest there, Louis. How long have we got? Um... How long do you need? Oh, a couple of minutes just to say hello. Sweet as. Chuck those head. Just chuck those headphones on then. Oh, oh. Is that who I? Yeah, look, Wait, I, look, that... I just had uh, a legend walk past the the studio, and I've asked him to come in and just have a quick chat. It's the Mad Butcher, Sir Peter Leach. He's joined us this morning. He's obviously the Mad Butcher's upstairs here, and he's uh, in here doing a bit of work. Here you go, Butch. I want to clarify something. I don't own the Mad Butcher because <coughs> after you put me on here like that. 
I'd have a million people wanting free meat, so I don't own the map. I'm retired, I betcha. Mate, I'm alive. I'm 79 and I'm still alive, so I'm grateful. Very yeah. grateful. Yeah, the Warriors are going well. Oh, mate, this is our year. This is our year. <laughs> We're going to win the NRL this year. Oh, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> Toy's back this weekend. Are you going over to Brisbane? No, I'm not allowed to. No. Oh, no. so Janice has kept you at home now? Uh, well, she's been a little bit crook, so I've stayed home with her. Oh, boy. Um, All the best with her. On a serious note, I have to say the new coach has really inspired me. And I'll share something with you. Last year, my wife said to me, how many games do you go to next year? I said, oh, maybe one or two. Every game this year at home. And I will go to a couple overseas. He's, he's different, Tony. And I like what he says and what he does. Very, very good, mate. Yeah. Very good. See, all, you know? even all the young blokes know you, mate, coming in here taking <laughs> photos and all sorts. But um, just with the, the support of the Warriors and, and how we've filled those stadiums out in the first three games, we've had yeah. over 20,000 people. Yeah. What, what are you thinking, um, you know, people enjoying obviously what Webby's doing, but just enjoying having football back in New Zealand on a whole? Oh, no question. No question. The fact that we're back home, it's been, you know, I've, people have come from Wangarei, people have come from Invercargill to the games, you know, because they contact me and they want to get a photo or have a talk. And, you know, and quite a few it's people... a free meet. Quite a few, yeah, quite a few people. Um, I just heard someone say free meat, but I was maybe dreaming. Um, but uh, uh, then a lot of people want me to show them through my collection I have at the stadium. Yeah. But as I tell them, I've sold it now, but I'm happy to give you a VIP tour through because there is some good stuff. Like there's a, a, a photo of me with the All Blacks that I paid about 20 grand for. Yeah. You know, um, I got a photo of you up there, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. right next to the toilet, people slap it when they walk past. <laughs> they go to go and uh, just yeah. relieve themselves. But hey, no. tell, tell, just tell me, Butch, you're like, I know we're serious um, about the Warriors this year. The competition's so tight, though, isn't it? You know, like, if there was a year we were going to go to the semis, this is probably it. Look, you're, you're more qualified to talk like that than I am, to be fair. I'm just a mad, passionate fan. But there, there has been... Look, you look at the weekend, the Panthers beat by the Tigers. Now, I was saying to people, the Tigers have got to win a game sooner or later. The law of averages will tell you that. And to knock them over in there, sure, it was bad conditions, but... You know, and a few people were disappointed with our performance in the weekend. Um, but as I said to them, the conditions didn't allow for good play because you've always got to defend your team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, just before just before yeah. we let, let you go, is um, is there something you know you've got going on at the moment that you'd like to tell us about? Um, you know, because you're always supporting some charity, you're always giving someone a yeah, leg up. Yeah. What, what's what's going on no, in, nothing in, in really. St. Peter Leach's I, what life? I, I don't do. I'm not doing so much of that now. But what I do do, I post stuff out daily. Like if people want a warrior poster, I'll post it out to them. And um, I, I got a few little tricks. I, I send to people in hospital. Like last yesterday, I sent uh, four things out to people with cancer. You know what I mean? And yeah, you're I, a good man. Well, you try to share the love, you know what I mean? And, uh, gee, we go back a long day. Whitra. Oh. You know they wanted me to be the MC at their prize giving this year? You know you know who's um, you know who asked them to get you? Ah, yeah, Terry Timothy. Terry Timothy. Don't try what, to take the glory. They, sh- they should have you, come to me because I would have just dragged you down there by you the haven't, You haven't changed, Kimmy. <laughs> no, but I, I tell you why I turned it down. I'll be honest. Mate, I, I'm not good at speaking Mary. And I'm not good at pronouncing Mary words. And White is a very Mary-oriented city or town, and I didn't want to offend anyone. Now, yep. they said it would be all right, but I said, no, no, 
only takes one person to get offended and gets out of, you know. Well, you wouldn't get offended around with yeah, me because I've got yeah. big shoulders I'll carry mate, out of town on them. Hey, good to see you, mate. Mate, and thanks for joining rocking. us, Butch. Okay, yeah. mate, there you go, the mad Butcher just wandering past, deciding <laughs> to come in and have a decent old chat with us. He's a good man, Louis, and I'll tell you, I've got so much time for We talk quite regularly. Um, he's always asking me how I am. You know what I mean? And uh, very rarely people ask him how he is, and that was that's made my morning, just to see the old boy. Oh, that's made my week. What a legend. I heard his voice out the corner of the sh- – I heard his voice in the back of the studio, and straight away, if we were doing the guess the song situation, I wouldn't know exactly what uh, <laughs> New Zealand night we had in the studio there, Kempi, and he's clearly a big fan of yours. It'll go a long way back. I just saw the way he was looking at you. We, we go a long way back, man. You <laughs> love it. 25 minutes past eight. We're back after this. One of the highlights of my day, week, year, having Sir Peter Leach swing on by, the mad butcher pop into studio out of the blue for a bit of a good old chinwag with his old friend Tony Kemp. If you missed that, we'll put it up on podcast. We'll get it on social media. You can go to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast, or the SEN, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of it. We'll have it up there. Go and see the legend. That means we'll talk to Paulie Mawadi in just a second after the news with Aroha Four Kubota together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. And before the end of the hour, well, we've got some wonderful texts here about Kempi's thoughts on All Blacks playing overseas that we'll get to as well. But here's Aroha. 14.76am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Making SENZ news this hour, the National Party's been quick to spit anti-Labour spin following reports Mika Whaiteri's jumping ship to Te Pāti Māori. Christopher Luxon telling AM it must have been a rude awakening for the Prime Minister in the UK. Woken up to find out that there's uh, one minister that's left his cabinet. Parts of the North Island will be hit by 55 straight hours of rain today. The Met Service issuing warnings from the top of the North Island down through the west coast of the south. And a court's ruled a woman who suffers from PTSD after an ex shared a sex video to a porn site is entitled to help from ACC. SENZ Radio, NZ Sport next. Izzy and Kempe, powered by Kubota and its range of construction, agriculture and implement machinery. Argentina captain Lionel Messi has been suspended by Paris Saint-Germain for two weeks after travelling to Saudi Arabia without the club's permission. And Michaela Foster and Oscar Zawada scooped the majority of the player accolades at the Wellington Phoenix's annual awards night, crowned the Players of the Year. More on Side 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SCNZ Radio.NZ. Weather brought to you by Crown Forklifts. There's nothing like a new crown, simply the best. Auckland weather, low cloud, isolated showers with periods of rain, heavy falls at times today, risk of thunderstorms, high 21, low 17. Join us for the Black Caps Tour to England in August with ball-by-ball commentary of the ODIs and T20s on SCNZ. Eight minutes away from nine o'clock this morning when Smithy will take over. Arsenal lead Chelsea 3-1 at the moment in the English Premier League. I must say, Kempe, uh, Shane was saying it's warm in Taranaki. It's stonking down here. A big nor'wester swept through. It's about 20 degrees already. Mm. It's a very... We're going through a bit of a warm snap. I don't know about you guys up there, but... 
It's um. Meanwhile, the middle part of the North Island's being hammered. I feel terrible. Yeah, it is warm up here too, Louis. There is a some some type of tropical, you know, heat wave coming through uh, Auckland at the moment with the the weather pattern the way that it is. I was walking yesterday afternoon and um, I was down in my singlet. It was that warm? So, uh, like we had from old mate yesterday when talking about the weather map, that we should be back to a nice freezing New Zealand by Tuesday next week. Well, I think I've got a new a, a nomination for a man that would make a hell of a weather forecaster because they always say that forecasters get it wrong. He does not get it wrong. World-class bookmaking. Wouldn't give us two bucks that Izzy Dag wouldn't be here today. <laughs> Kept the market tight. And this is why they call you the great one, Paul. <laughs> and yet I was bumped for the butcher. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sir, Sir Paulie Mawadi, as soon as that happens, you'll never get bumped. <laughs> Sir Paulie Mawadi. <laughs> uh, the country would have gone to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, I'd be Minister for Entertainment. That's it. Oh, you'd, you'd go all right. Actually, you, you, your good pal Kieran McAdoo is about to be the... the Deputy Prime Minister, isn't he? They reckon he's the hot shot, don't they? I say nothing. I don't know what's going on here. I just know. They, they, Leave me they out of he good. Hey, just yeah, he's got he's got very important business that does actually um, well impact all of us. Really, coming up soon with the Centane deal, so we'll watch that space over the next wee while. Paulie, um, you were right. No, Izzy, this morning. What else do you have? Uh, punters climbing into the NBA playoffs because we've got Steph Curry versus LeBron James later on at 2 p.m. today, which is going to be very exciting. Yeah, how good. And um, of the two uh, playoff games today, punters are backing the underdogs once again. Uh, of course, uh, both the Heat and the Lakers picked up uh, victories. Uh, in their game ones against uh, these two teams. Uh, um, um, the Heat are $3 outsiders um, against the Knicks, and they're six-point underdogs. Uh, Punter's still backing the Heat, um, and in terms of the uh, Lakers and the Golden State Warriors, um, they love LeBron James, they love Anthony Davis, um, and they're backing the Lakers at $2.55. Uh, wow. to beat the Warriors, who are $1.49. So, yeah, we've taken almost twice as much money uh, in that head-to-head market uh, on the Lakers uh, than we've taken on the Golden State Warriors. And we saw what the Golden State Warriors did to Sac- the Sacramento Kings in Game 7, uh, and Steph Curry was on uh, absolute fire uh, that day. So, yeah, there are a couple of big, big games uh, there. Of course, this is Game 1, uh, sorry, between the Lakers and the Warriors. Um the Heat are 1-0 up in their series against the Knicks. So both underdogs, the Heat and the Lakers, have been very well backed by punters today uh, to win their respective playoff matches. And, well, Izzy is back in the country, so and Lakers are right. his team, so that does make sense. He might be unloading some of that. What's the French dollar <laughs> called, Kimpy? Frank. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it is called Frank. The is Frank. It? Oh, there you go. Le Franc. Le Franc. Le, Le, oh, oh, now you probably understand it. <laughs> Look, if, if he's got any spare francs or euros, um, 
You might want to have a look up at Ruakaka today because I think I found one race three. Oh, uh, not the Wait, what, you Don't found over. one to stop not, us? Not again. <laughs> Sprocket Rocket has been very well. If you got the $3... You'd be very, very happy with yourself. Now into dollar a dollar ninety sprocket rocket, and she um, has had one start for a third. But uh, the horse that finished second in that race, Bell's Echo, has gone on to win I think two or three races since. So some pretty good form there. Anne has had a couple of uh, trials to get ready for this. I think she was supposed to run a couple of sad days ago, but I think the yep. track was just a wee bit P- too heavy. Sprocket Rocket, I think, is uh, definitely worth a little go today, and the money's on as well. Now into a dollar ninety. Oh, classic pull! Trying to derail our Wednesday by lobbing <laughs> us a a dollar ninety pop fresh up after about a year. I know you. I know <laughs> well, you. <laughs> well, let's let's get Izzy back in the seat. If he turns up tomorrow, I've got a song for him. Oh, nice, nice. Can't wait. What an incentive, Kimpy. <laughs> I'll definitely be talking to him today and say, you're coming back no matter what. Yeah. Even if we could get that little cardboard cut out of his <laughs> in the frame, that, that'll do. Oh, I've got one. I've got one right behind me. You can sing it to me, Paulie. If you just look at the look at the, t- uh, the socials right behind me. Got Dagabeel just standing there ready to sing back to you. Okay. Paul Mawadi, we'll see you tomorrow and we'll hear from you in song tomorrow. 22 minutes away from nine. That is Paul Mawadi at tab.co.au. NZ. After this, we've got great text messages here, and we're also going to let you know who has won our Chemist Warehouse Big Fragrance um, prize pack because they got the name of the song right. And Neeps, just remind us what was that class clip? What does it sound like? Our Kiwi song for today. Ah, uh, tune. Soaring, it is. It's soaring. Yes. <laughs> If you don't know it, you still got time. Double eight, double three. Text in now. Name of the song and the Kiwi artist. Back soon. Fifteen from nine. Oh yeah, Ladyhawk. Great name, Kimpy. Great name, great name, and a very good New Zealand artist. Uh, I was just telling the boys I got to see her when she first came out um, out the back of West Auckland there. So uh, well picked up there again. This text machine went off. I think a couple got it first up, the first one, and then on the second time you played that little clip, we had like a a, a, a heap Deluge. of them come through. A deluge, and then it An a- poured. atmospheric river. It poured on the last one. So I uh, got lots of good music-minded uh, people out there, Louis, uh, as well as some really good people talking some sport text messages here on our text machine line, double eight double three, which uh, have picked up on so a few people getting a little bit nervous about players going overseas, aren't they? Yes, we'll deal with that in just a second, but everybody that texts, you'll win in the draw, the ra- random name generator, spat out, Neeps, who was it? Congratulations, Megan. That, that The text machine was crazy this morning. Can't, can't believe how many texts we got in. Megan was absolutely fantastic. Had it on the first clue. So, well done, Megan. 
Get on you, Megan. There you go. Chemist Warehouse, Real House of Fragrance. Big brand fragrance we're talking about as well. Uh, good on you, Chemist Warehouse, helping us hook some people up. Keep hey, this text hey, machine. Hey, Megan, just before that, Megan, what's your favourite What's your favorite fragrance? Like, give the boys a bit of a tip, you know. Well, Joe there, he's, oh. got, uh, he's got one on the go. He's going to need to buy something for uh, for the oh. girlfriend one day. So, uh, Is she Joe, a mum? Well, hang on, I'm not saying anything yet. Joe, what do you reckon? I don't know, she is really religious and from Ireland, so there's a chance, I guess, yeah. <laughs> he's, honestly, you give the best answers, mate. But yeah, Megan, just text us, in, text us in what you like so that we can put that in the little book. Um, it's, you're right, Kempi, that's the tip that we can actually use. <laughs> exactly. I'll go back to the text machine, our temper bed, uh, bed post text machine here. Uh, kia ora, Kempi, I disagree, mate. I think it's a little myopic and idealistic to think we're only loose. To, we'll only lose a few players. There are well over 50 clubs who would be willing to throw money at New Zealand talent. And not just our best talent at all levels between England, France, Ireland, Japan, USA. Mate, it's a global game, isn't it? We'd lose players from NBC to All Blacks. The only thing keeping a lot of our players is the dream to play for the All Blacks. That's what I mean, like the back end of it. That's what that's what's holding them here. Look at the IPL, get permission to play overseas and earn big money. Now the clubs want them full-time with no fear of forfeiting the national jerseys. Those English boys are laughing all all the way to the bank. That's from Paddy. And uh, yeah, Paddy, look, I, I I agree. I think that's right, you know, but I don't think that um, you're going to stop it. That's what I'm saying. I think that players actually, and you know the other thing, Louis, I've just realised this with players and how things are panning out, especially in rugby league. Players are going to run, run things very shortly. They are on the... Um, crest of the wave at the moment about to go over the top of all the decisions by all the decision makers and say this is what we want done and I think Kimpy like Paddy is right but Paddy I think the part that you just need to wrap your head around actually I'm not telling you that you have to do anything but like it really is inevitable because going back to before Dan Carter first did it, if you had told somebody maybe in the early 2000s that a player was going to be able to go on sabbatical and be released from their contract to go play overseas, they would have thought you were barking mad. To get to the point now where they are with these contracts going to Japan and coming back and it all being very organised, well, the next step is that they're going to be able to go, I think, like an IPL situation where they go mid-contract and play for, say, two months of a year earn 100 or 150 or 200 or 250, 300, 350 grand, come back within their contract. And inevitably, I think Kempi's on, on the right track. I don't haven't formed my decision where I think it's a good or a bad thing yet, but there is another text there as well, Kempi. Yeah, it says, hey guys, I think it's going to have a, another negative effect on First 15. Just League takes them now. Like, who would have thought that, that rugby leaguers in high schools taking rugby players, please? The squads up there are 40 to 50 and need two teams to play the almost 30-week season. I want to see a great domestic comp down here without it open. We'll lose 35-year Super Rugby League veterans already a year. The international players cap is on top premiership grades, but not the lower-tier grades, the ones looking to earn promotion up. Yep. You're relying on fans who have having enough time to watch every single comp around the world to watch all the overseas players. Cheers, Andy. And I guess you will, Andy. I I guess if you're watching great football, um, which comes out of the Northern Hemisphere, you'll do that. I do like that, though, Louis. One of the one of the ways to fix it is to go get rid of Super Rugby, go back to Provincial Rugby, NPC, and put the best players back there playing in a decent competition year on.
And I actually think you'll get both. I can actually see a world in which they go to hand in hand. When we do get to this point where maybe some of our top players are, are gone and whatever the market dictates, I don't know, you, you've got the thought that it will come from the market back to New Zealand. It won't be New Zealand rugby in New Zealand saying this is how many people we're going to let go. But I think at the same time, the answer will then be to make an NPC and empower our unions. Because you've talked about to me about this plenty. One thing, the difference between New Zealand's rugby and, and league in this country is how powerful the unions are. A hundred percent. You've got to be able to combat someone else's move. It's like a game of chess. Okay, so you've got, there's only one player at the moment and it's being played up in the Northern Hemisphere. They're playing their own game. They've already enticed South Africa out of it. It's like a damn Louis with a crack in it. That's what's going on at the moment. And we and and instead of uh, opening up the dam and having a strategy and a solution, they're, they're papering over the crack and they're trying to hold the dam together. I'm telling you, the dam's going to be blown to smithereens. Tuck and roll, you're saying? Get on board. I'm saying get on board. D- dismantle the dam yourself with a strategy. Hang on, look at the market right now. Most of the English clubs are broke. Yes, Jamie, that's correct. Hey, we're not even going to start trying to fix the international calendar, though, and try and get the unions and the home nations to work with the clubs. I mean, there's so many there's so many different layers to why it's all broken. But at a very at a very top level, we're talking New Zealand rugby players trying to get the biggest opportunity and be able to maximise their careers. France have restrictions on outside players that are only live only ever going to tighten thanks to European labour laws. And Kempi, you mentioned that last hour as well. And that's part of it. The regulation coming from the north back down, well, that will have a part to play in how many people we can get up there. Yeah. Can I answer that, one? Are... Can I answer that one from Jamie just quickly? Jamie, look, if the EPL can uh, continually grow their competition, and at the moment you've got all these people buying into the second-tier competitions to try and get into that premier competition – Rugby union is a is a tip of the is just a, a little dribble in the ocean compared to, to financial, um, I guess, opportunity. Now, if you've got all this exodus of players going up there to create the best competition in the world, mate, they ain't going to have money problems. I'm telling you that right now. And one last text from Ants. Have played a few rounds of golf with Shane Cooper in the past few months. He rates you highly as well, but pretty sure he still hasn't managed to dial into SCNZ yet. Ant. Ants. Well, Shane Cooper is a legend. Absolutely. I, I um, played in the sixth jersey after him for New Zealand. I was actually his runner, Louis. I was Shane Cooper's runner as the youngest bloke in the Kiwi team when who had to go to the TAB to put the bets on. So we'd sit in the room, too sweet, <laughs> and he'd go, right, this is this is what we've got. This is what we've got here to, to bet on this week. Okay, Kippy, now get going. Right, and I'd be, mate, 100 miles an hour to the TAB to get the bets on and then run back to the room. This one time, mate, I got a I got stuck in the TRB watching the race. By the time I'd checked the time on the clock, I was late for a meeting. And uh, I couldn't say why I was late. <laughs> I, well, just, the, I remember looking over at them and just, they're laughing. They're laughing well, Shane, me. Shane, play that right there from Kempe and say, the le- uh, sorry, Ants, the least you could do, Shane, is dial into SCNZ, eh? Repay your old mate. Uh, seven away from nine. We're late for Smithy. We need to get away.